Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Welcome. It is Tuesday, January 9th, 2024, 8.01 p.m. Central Standard Time on the dot. It is the BTB Roundtable. We are here live on the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel, the Blog and the Boys Twitch channel, and the Blog and the Boys Facebook page. You can, of course, watch us live on any one of these platforms or catch the rewatch at your own particular convenience. You can also listen to the show at your own audio convenience on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. If you do, you will hear the talented voice of all the gentlemen joining me here tonight. You will also read their work at blogontheboys.com and see them here, obviously. My name is RJ Ochoa. We will go in clockwise order for the video audience, dressed as if he is in the Arctic, the North Pole, straight from Bozeman, Montana, as was the pre-show discussion. It is David Howman. Howman, how cold is it uh, from a vibes standpoint? Like, are your knuckles cold? Are, are your hands drying out? Yeah, it's it's bone chilling cold. And and honestly, my head is kind of spinning right now between the cold and the fact that I'm in the position on the screen where I'm at because I'm not used to being the first one here. So this is this is a unique experience for me all the way around. You were the early bird, so congratulations on the worm. It is yours, um, but not the the normal, you know, kind of top right, you know, sector of the screen. We have more than four people here tonight, counting you and I, of course. Uh, Tony Catalina, you're actually in that kind of spot that you normally occupy, the top right, but again, not the the quad box that we technically have. Uh, Tony Dale Tisdale said in the chat, "The Mighty Five. If you had to give the five of us a nickname, what would it be, and why would it be the Backstreet Boys? And tell us the story about you know your growing up that you did before the show, please." <laughs> uh, that's for pre-show stuff we don't get to talk about that but but no yeah i think the backstreet boys is a good name for the five of us are you aj it. i think you're aj or brian i think one of those two man i don't know i guess i guess i am <laughs> maybe we'll tap uh rachel in and she can help answer this question since yeah. um you know she's i think she's got a little bit more on lock when it comes to the pop culture sort of knowledge um that's fair yeah. That's fair. Uh, Sean Martin is here. Uh, it's been the four of us normally most of the weeks on the roundtable, but you came in and made us a, a quintuple sort of set. Uh, Sean, one of the newest residents of the aforementioned Montana. How are you doing this evening, Sean? Hey, what's up, OJ? Yeah, you know, can't name a Backstreet Boy, but good to uh, be the fifth member here of, uh, <laughs> of our discussion going into the playoffs. So it's not that cold in Montana. How many can take the, uh, the beanie off? Uh, well, I left off three members. I think uh, Kevin was uh, a member, as was Nick Carter. Uh, that's kind of the low-hanging fruit. I'm forgetting the um, the fifth one, which I would assume everybody did, uh, just based on that particular data point. Danny Phantom, who was the fifth Backstreet Boy? I don't know. I, I only know Nick Carter, and I didn't. I wouldn't have remembered him had you not mentioned him right now. Yeah. So you might as well be speaking a different language right now, RJ. I can tell you the new kids on the block. <laughs> 
You know what? Um, maybe maybe that's a post-show discussion, Danny. We've talked about the pre-show. we got to say some things for the post-show. Uh, David Smith in the chat says, four panelists, one for each of the Cowboys' 2024 yeah. playoff wins. I like the, uh, the the vibe right there. Rick Ursellini says, hi, RJ, Halman, Tony, Danny, and Sean. Watsamata says, all righty, look at all these handsome panel members. Watsamata also offered a, you know obvious here we go. Tony, could you give us a here we go, please? Here we go. Wait, that was okay. Uh, I sound like Cooper Rush's. Cooper Rush's. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> Cooper Rush really just caught some huge strays, uh, having to to enter the game that late in, against Washington. Uh, and what was supposed to be a celebratory moment, it just became kind of a mocking one um, against Cooper Rush, which is unfortunate. Uh, Rachel Catalina Tony says, "We damn boys, Backstreet, of course." Um, so Rachel's, you know, kind of vibing with what we're, you know, putting down here. So you got to study up when you know we're done with this show. Uh, Watsamata also offers, by the way, put some Dak in that. Here we go. All right. It is playoff week, Danny Phantom, so the intensity is high. The nerves are high. We have really enjoyed most of this Dallas Cowboys season, but it could all come crashing down on Sunday afternoon. That is the peril of this time of year. That's true. Um, I don't like to think about that. Uh, you know, I want to at least enjoy this week. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I feel I feel pretty confident. So the nerves has, hasn't quite uh, set in yet. So right now I'm, I'm just still enjoying this week. Halman, are you nervous or confident or some semblance of both? Because speaking personally, I kind of, you know, fluctuate. One moment I'm like, oh, yeah, it is the first of four games. Another, it's like, oh, no, they're going to lose and we're going to have to defend all these things for the next six months when people are freaking out about it. Like, it, it's it's a high-stress sort of situation. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I save all my nerves for when the game actually kicks off and then I'm just a nervous wreck for three hours, uh, even when they're doing good. But through the week, I'm like, uh, it, it's playoff time and I'm just having good vibes. I'm excited. I'm ready. And, you know, once the game kicks off, though, I'm going to be the, the blood pressure is going to raise a little bit. Tony Catalina, you fluctuate a lot. You go from Chicken Little to Super Homer. Uh, so I'm curious where your emotional well-being is at, uh, what, five, four days from kickoff? Yeah, it's not great. I, I'm the type of person who, like, um, I told, I actually told Rachel this um, after Sunday. I was like, I need to calm down because I might, like, stroke out before Sunday. Like, th- you wait all year to get back to this point. Like, I've, I've been waiting for this since the divisional round last last year. It's kind of... Now it's here, and I'm like, how do I temper my emotions? And I have a running joke where I'm like, the Cowboys haven't made it to the Super Bowl because I don't know if I'm like physically capable of to handle that. So I think it's partly my fault. Yeah, Sean, it is kind of fitting that it all starts with the Green Bay Packers because it's kind of a boogeyman. It's kind of a revenge tour, but it's not really like that so far in the past. But if you've if you have enough scars of the past, like it's a scar that still, you know, is pretty prominent in all of our lives. But they're not the 49ers, but it's the wild card round. But if they win this game, they're in the divisional round. Like it's really hard to kind of dial in our emotional well-being. Yeah, it is hard, you know. Pretty much any Cowboys fan, no matter how long you've been around, has a memory of losing one of these playoff games to the Packers, whether it's the Dez Cats or Jared Cook and Aaron Rodgers knocking off Dak in his rookie year. So even, you know, I had a fan bring up the ice ball the other day talking about this game. So no matter what generation of Cowboys fan you are, you know that you've had some bad outcomes against the Packers. Sure, we can talk about, you know, this current team having good matchups against this current Packers team, but it doesn't really help with the nerves too much. Uh, Wish I could be less nervous for this game, but yeah, it's going to be a stressful one come Sunday. 
All right. Um, we're going to stick to a mostly positive sort of vibe here this evening because why the hell not? Like Tony said, we waited almost 52 entire weeks to get back to this particular point, and we're hopeful that we get to the exact point, of course. But the Cowboys have to get to the green, or through the Green Bay Packers uh, first and foremost. Uh, it is a roundtable, which means there will be a winner. So far, the only points from the crowd have been handed out to Danny Phantom. Danny, you are off to a 10-point lead. Are you feeling cocky? Are you feeling arrogant? Like, where's your head at right now? I'm feeling calm. You know, I feel like, you know, it's everything's breezy right now. I'm trying to just uh, be in good spirit. So, I mean, I don't think you can phase me, RJ. So, you know, you can you can try. Um, I definitely will. That's kind of the whole point of this particular thing. All right. First question for the group. David Hammond, we start with you because you were the first one here. Will the Dallas Cowboys win on Sunday? I sure hope so. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it would be really, really depressing against this Packers team where, you know, they're the youngest roster, Jordan Love making his first career playoff game ever. Um, you know, just just all of the adversity that they had to go through, even to make it to the playoffs, and they snuck in at 9-8. and eight. Um, This is a game that they should win. I, I'm confident that they're going to win. They have, I think, the second largest point spread of any team for wild card round. And, like, that's not by accident. Like, the Cowboys match up really well against the Packers. The defense is, you know, they, they play well into what Jordan Love's weaknesses are. They've got the pass rush. They've got the ball hawking secondary. But also the thing that I'm really most excited for is Dak Prescott against this defense because they're just, they have not played well. They, they they have a tendency to get beat by really good quarterbacks. And I think Dak's a really good quarterback. Um, you know, the, the, this offense is playing at such a high level, especially when they're in AT&T Stadium. So you know, I feel really confident about this one. So that's why I say, like, I, I hope so. Because if, if they didn't, then it would kind of be like, you know, I'd have to be like Tony and say the sky's falling because it would kind of feel like that. Um, I think that's all well said. And you kind of covered all the bases, which makes everybody having to follow you a little bit more difficult. Uh, but Sean, will the Dallas Cowboys win on Sunday? David Howman has been your podcast co-host for a few weeks now on Hidden Yardage every Monday on our network. But your twist on this question, Sean, is why? Why specifically will the Dallas Cowboys win on Sunday? Yeah, this is probably an obvious answer, but I'm going to go Dak Prescott and the Mike McCarthy offense against Joe Barry's defense, you know, trying to read behind enemy lines this week. It seems like Joe Barry is public enemy number one for Packers fans. I mean, they defensively want to get rid of him, even though they've put up some decent defensive performances. I think there's still some recognizable names like uh, Darnell Savage and Quay Walker there, if you were drafting it, on the Packers defense. But overall, I don't think they intimidate you too much when it comes to what it's going to take to slow down the Cowboys on home turf, which really nobody's been able to do. So, yeah, I think the biggest reason why you look for why the Cowboys should be able to advance the divisional round here is, you know, Prescott and CDLM, Jake Ferguson, being able to put up big numbers, make Jordan Love play from behind, get that pass rush going, and, you know, put up a big number that they can't match. Tony, I'm going to kick this one to you because the why not side of this conversation has generally been two words, at least as it's associated with the Green Bay Packers, and it's been Aaron Rodgers. But if we are sitting here on Sunday night lamenting, super pissed off, looking forward to 52 weeks from now to try to get this opportunity all again, why won't the Cowboys win? Why not? I mean, what would be the the reason, the flaw, the identifiable one? Because it's the playoffs and weird crap can happen. But what is the obvious kind of chink in the armor? I think for the Dallas Cowboys, it, it's obvious, right? Slow starts and shooting themselves in the foot. It, we've seen this team lose or get down to teams that they probably shouldn't have or shouldn't 
in any sense of the term get to that point. And it's really just because they, you know, they'll make a mistake. There'll be penalties. They'll turn the ball over or, you know, they, they, when the snowball starts rolling in a negative way, they have a tough time of kind of stopping and dead in its tracks. And even though the ultimately they were able to handle Washington last week, but there were some moments where like, Oh, this is kind of getting a little messy before it got, you know, it got clean. But, uh if the Cowboys are going to lose this football game to an inferior opponent, it's going to be because they kept them in the game. It's going to be because the Cowboys did some things that gave the Packers life when they probably shouldn't have had it. Danny Phantom, um, there has been a little bit of trepidation through each of the answers. In fact, you've been the most kind of stable, um, like Rachel, excuse me, like Monica uh, in the lightning round kind of sequence. Her hand was steady like a rock. She didn't have the answers written on there as Rachel hoped that she did. Uh, but, you know, these other dudes, they're they're kind of in the wind. I don't know. I'm scared. You know, I don't, I'm scared. But you said, no, I'm not worried. Like, you can't shake me here tonight, RJ. Leroy, in fact, Danny Phantom. So pretty much every game is I hope so. We need more faith and positivity than I hope so, especially against the Packers. This was the matchup, Danny, that a lot of us wanted, myself included. We did not want to face the Los Angeles Rams. So it should be a game that we feel pretty confident the Cowboys can win. Yeah, absolutely. I don't really understand what, why there's – there's too much worry with this. I mean, we're the better team uh, across the board. Uh, it's not really just about trying to win certain matchups. I mean, we should we should throttle this team. Um, you know, and Sean mentioned. I think the home home field is huge, just because the Cowboys they just do better on their on that turf. And and you, you know we're going to get a heavy dose of CD. We're no, all all the things that we love about this team. We're going to see. Uh, it, it just as Tony said, it would really take a like a series of unfortunate events for things to just go south. And I just can't imagine that this happens. They're just so they're so much better than this team. So I'm that's why I'm not I'm not worried at all. You know, I know that I'm really good at at predictions. And I'm telling you right now, th there's no way we're losing this game. What was the anyone can answer this? I'll start with you, Tony. What was the last game that it was a series of unfortunate events? Because the Cowboys lost to Miami and Buffalo, but and maybe Buffalo is the answer because of the weird penalties at the beginning of the game. But I mean, it's kind of hard to trace things back and find a game where like the ball just bounced the other way, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think for me, you said I think it is the Buffalo game. They they get a stop and Sam Williams gets a penalty or something else happens, and that's exactly what came to my mind when I say it's a snowball that doesn't stop rolling. Where it's like, okay, we could stop the bleeding here, but they just don't, and then now you get so far out of you know, out of the picture here that the game's like unrecognizable and you can't catch up. So yeah, that's the first one that came in my mind. Uh, Halman, same question. Also, I appreciate the chat identifying that honey um, had to come up on the screen. She's been nipping at all the wirings underneath my desk. So it was either she come, came up here or like everything blew up. So um, <laughs> this was the, the choice that I made, but Halman, same question. Yeah. I mean, if it's not the Buffalo game, then I would go back to that first Philly game where, you know, it, it was a close game and like they played well, but again, thinking about like the ball just didn't bounce their way. I mean, you know, the Eagles had three different fumbles and they recovered all three of them. You know, there was the, the Luke Schoonmaker touchdown that got taken away by an inch, you know, Dak stepping out on the two point try, like just all these tiny little plays that they could have, if they went the other way, could have completely shifted the outcome and it just didn't go their way. But I mean, even then, like they were in that game, they had a chance right up to the very end. So uh, that's why I feel good. Like I, I want to clarify, I don't, I'm not actually worried about the Packers. It's just my battered fan syndrome kicking in and saying like, well, Hey, the, like it's the playoffs. The first moment you get confident is like when this team will let you down. I, I hope I'm wrong about that. Um, you know, everything that I've seen from this team this season, uh, except for the 49ers game, 
um, has led me to believe that this team is going to be able to step up and they're going to be able to take care of business against Green Bay. But there's still that little tiny voice that's like, man, they, they could just completely blow it. You, you just never know. Yeah, Sean, I mean, to that point, it's not even that they could blow it. It's that, you know, they could have a penalty, that that a weird penalty could get called. The last time they played a playoff game against Green Bay, there was the weird Bryce Butler penalty that nobody yep. understood at the time or even now. Sometimes Thanks it's just – Yeah, it's, it's the rub of the green. Like, sometimes it's just – not your day. And it feels like that is, look, what, what a surprise. The Cowboys have lost games when it hasn't been their day, but like they haven't seemingly had a playoff game where everything broke right for them. And not saying that that needs to happen, but they've kind of caught the, the like negative end of the spectrum. So as long as they kind of live somewhere in the middle of the line, like they're the better team. They are. And I think, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about the offense and how we like their matchup against the Packers defense but that could be you know volatile and that's where you have the more likely chance of you know a tip ball that leads to a press cut interception or a fumble that's where you might see these things that you know we're talking about could keep this game even but then the question is can Dan Quinn's defense be enough of a force in this game that you know make any of that irrelevant can they just shut down this Packers offense that hasn't had too many great performances down the stretch can they get the pass rush going and really just make it a moot point to where you know, you get a comfortably lead throughout the afternoon because the defense isn't really giving up much. So that's kind of what we should be focusing on when it comes to, you know, the ways that this game could go wrong defensively. Do you see the Cowboys having a breakdown after really ending the season with back-to-back pretty solid performances against the Lions and Commanders? I don't think that's going to happen uh, for this defense right now. Danny Phantom, Brandon Laurie is in the chat, not a part of the roundtable. Brandon, we hope you're having a great evening. It says, the Seahawks game showed the defense and Deron Bland could be beat, but the offense went punch for punch, which gives me confidence they could come back in any tough situation. The Cowboys have kind of won every which way this season, Danny. Yeah, they have. And I I can't see a scenario where the offense struggles in this one. Um, but it's funny you asked this question because, you know, when you did look back at the games against Green Bay – it's games. There's a lot of games where the Cowboys did give a you know a lot of turnovers. I mean, you all remember Rudy Ford, you know, the, when he was having a field day. And then it wasn't too long ago, and the Cowboys put up 500 yards of offense, and then they they still had three picks. Remember, Dak was still throwing. He was throwing picks. So, and then of course the playoff history with all the weird stuff too. So there are those things that are out there, but I believe this team is. I don't, what's it's it's mistake proof it, it's it's they're able to get themselves in situations where this isn't going to be an issue we're not going to see this type of um risks i guess against this team I, I really feel like the cowboys they know what they need to do we're going to see a, a very well-oiled team coming in there and similar to what we did in the wild card against tampa bay and it's just going to be a really one-sided game um all right so General kind of temperature seems to be positive. Also, in case anybody's curious, Honey has been kicked out. Just a little bit too mischievous this evening. So um, not her fault, but totally her fault if we're being straight up about this. Um, I like where y'all are at. Y'all are all kind of on the same page, but you were on very, very different pages when it came to the prompt that I handed out towards each of you earlier this afternoon. Uh, This is an update on the score before we get to kind of the meat of tonight's show. Tony, Sean, you both have 24 points. Howman, 22. You're riding Caboose. Danny Phantom. I did that strong lead, 31. So let's see if you can hold strong all night long. Tony, did you just yawn? Was that like a sign of disrespect? Like you're not worried about, you know, not being in the lead right now? Yeah, Jordan flu <laughs> game. <laughs> it's a genuine yawn there, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, so OJ, what's your I, favorite Seinfeld character? It's Jerry. I mean, okay. he's... Well, George. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I've heard like a million times, like, oh man, Jerry's your favorite when you're younger and George is your favorite when you're older. Like I get it and it's fine. But like the volume of people that have said that actually make me want to disagree with that take. So um, I'm holding strong with Jerry. George is funny. I, you know what, if I power rank them, Elaine's better than George. How about that? Whoa, All no. Right. <laughs> 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 Elaine's better than George. And you know what? I won't go any farther than that. But I mean, still, Elaine is funnier than George, um, contextually speaking. That might uh, be all right. the worst take. <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, yeah, uh, I stand by it. Anyway, um, also, Nicholas says, uh, plus five to me for being tough but fair on Honey. You know, I gave her a chance. I mean, I think cool. we can all, you know, all of you are my witnesses for when my wife gets on to me later. But anyway, uh, so I asked each of our roundtablers this earlier. They all submitted their answers. We certainly are interested in hearing what the live chat has to say. Who were the five players slash people? you trust the most obviously within the Cowboys we included the word people uh because I allowed them to go coaches or coordinators or whatever they wanted uh Danny Phantom was the only person to ask a follow-up question and for that he gets an extra three points he said does it have to be individual people or can it be collective groups like the pass oh, rush or something like that um I specified it's individual people uh so Danny congratulations on that three-point bump maybe it really is your night. Um, so we're looking for five players. By the way, Brandon says that Lloyd Braun is the best Seinfeld character. So, um, you know, there's that. Um, all right. Ninja says that show was trash. Goodness gracious, Sean, you sent us down quite the rabbit hole. What Tony, have, have you seen an episode of Seinfeld, by the way? I've seen them all. Yeah, that's my show. So that's a show that you've seen every episode of. Yeah. We found one. Yeah, exactly. That, not, I saw the shirt. I'm in there. Yeah. It's not, it's okay. not the office, but. You know. you know what, Tony? I'm really proud of you. Tony, you get a three point, five, you get a seven point bump, Tony, because it is so rare for you to have seen a show. Uh, so we'll get that for you. We'll get yours, Danny. So again, the five people slash players you trust the most. I also asked our roundtablers to rank them. Um, we see a lot of comments right now. Johnny Boy says Dak, Micah, CD, Zach, Martin, Ferguson. KHY001 says Dak, BA, CD talking about Brandon Aubrey, of course, not Bruce Arians, the most overrated, you know, offensive mind in the 21st century. Uh, CD Lamb, Brandon, this is a tangent of mine. I really hate how everybody always acted like, oh man, Bruce Arians, he's the quarterback whisperer. Wow, I bet you know the guy who worked with Peyton Manning and Ben Roethlisberger and you know Andrew Luck and uh, Tom Brady and Jameis Winston, you know, a Heisman winning number one overall pick. What a surprise that this dude really had success with the quarterbacks that he was coaching. So again, just I've had this argument many times. But, uh, guy on well. Um, look, I have takes. All right, but these are about your takes, guys. Uh, uh, so KHY001 says Dak, BA, CD, Brandon Cooks, Jake Ferguson, Tyler Smith, and Tyron Smith. Uh, David Smith says plus RJ for the BA take. That's right, people. All right. Recognize. Wake up. Open your eyes. Uh, Rick Ursellini says Dak, CD, Micah, Aubrey, D-Law. Omar says Dak, Parsons, D-Law, Ferguson. Again, a lot of these names are going to be populating all of the answers. Uh, Dale Tisdale just comes in nice and simple, says, I trust Mike McCarthy. I have organized, before we get there, we'll get to Brandon Laurie's uh, list. Number one, Butter Aubrey. Two, Demarcus Lawrence. Three, CeeDee Lamb. Four, Dak Prescott. Five, Dan Quinn. Here we go. These are all of your answers in your fifth spot. Uh, so somebody has Micah Parsons at number five, Jake Ferguson at number five, C.D. Lamb at number five, Brandon Aubrey at number five. Danny Phantom, who do you think had Jake Ferguson at number five? Mm, um, I'm going to guess Tony. 
you would be wrong. How embarrassing. It was not Danny Phantom, so he didn't you know, throw the question or anything like that. It was David Howman. Howman, a uh, bit of a spoiler alert. You are the only person to have Jake Ferguson on your entire list. Uh, so defend why Ferguson is a top five trustable player for the Cowboys entering the playoffs. Well, really, I, I think it, it came down to two things for me. One is his actual performance on the field. I mean, he's just been such a such a sure thing when he gets thrown the ball his way, whether it's, you know, those, those short dump off passes and then he picks up the yards after the catch or whether he's going down the seam and getting those big plays. And the chemistry that Dak has with him that they've developed over the season has been a great thing to watch. And, you know, I mean, in this last game, he, you know, they threw to him and he caught every single pass. And he's had a few games where he's either caught every single pass or had like maybe one one where he didn't catch it. He's just very reliable when you go his way, however you're doing it. Um, but also just the attitude that he brings to this team. Like he, we've seen it a few times now. He just has that dog mentality. Like he is the fighter. He's the one who's going to energize the team. And I think that's kind of, you, you need a guy like that going into the playoffs, especially you know, when you're so heavily favored against a team like the Packers and there's, you know, like we talked about, there might be that concern about like getting too full of yourselves, having a letdown. Like Jake Ferguson's the guy that's going to get everyone pumped up. He's going to get them energized. And if they do come out and they're a little sluggish to start, like he's going to make sure everybody is getting their energy up. He's going to make a big play. They're all going to rally behind him. Um, so I, I think that combination of, of his play and the demeanor that he brings uh, you know, I, I trust he's going to be ready to go. And I trust that that's going to have a, a trickle down effect to the rest of the team. That's well said. I bet the rest of you feel pretty dumb for not including Jake Ferguson on your list uh, after what Howman had to say there. Uh, as everyone can see, one of you had CD Lamb as their number five. David Smith uh, chimed in, said CD at five, double question mark, minus five points for that. Tony Catalina, defend CD Lamb being number five on your list, please. Yeah, I think I, I knew people would probably take that as a negative and because of the numbers and stuff, but I think it's more of a respect for, you know, how many different guys they do trust on this team. When it comes to CD Lamb, top five is not a bad thing. I mean, I mean, realistically, he's one of the five guys that I trust the most on the team. Um, it's just kind of the position and kind of the way games flow sometimes. I know they've been force feeding them, um, but Again, I don't really know how to spin this in any way that's negative because I didn't at all look at it in a negative light. For me, there are four other guys that I, I trust and, and hope that will, you know, have a big impact. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, if you're in the top five, I think that's a solid number. Danny Phantom, you have Brandon Aubrey at number five on your list, which means Sean had Micah Parsons. Um, bit of a spoiler as well for the rest of this conversation. This is Brandon Aubrey's only mention. Uh, Brandon Laurie had Brandon Aubrey number one on his list, but Howman did not have him on his list. Tony did not have him on his list. Sean did not have him on his list. Danny, you barely got him in by the hair on his chinny chin chin. Uh, but why did Brandon Aubrey make it over other players for you? Well, first off, I started with Aubrey at number five because I wanted to make sure not Ooh, to leave him. Ultra off my respect. List. So I tell you what, I mean, if we're talking about trust, I don't know if there's anyone else that we could trust more than Brandon Aubrey, to be quite honest, because except the, the four guy, people that you went ahead of him, right? Obviously. <laughs> you know what? He's a kicker. You know, I mean, he, at the end of the day, he's still a kicker, um, but he's an important kicker and he's an important player for the Cowboys. And he's just been extremely reliable. And I feel so bad for him, the way the things unfolded. And, uh, you know, I know that had to mess with his psyche to have a kick, you know, blocked and ruin his record and everything. But I mean, it, gone is the, the feeling of like, what's going to happen when the kicker trots on the field you know, for a field goal. And, and the guy's, 
10 for 10 with 50 plus. I mean, that's crazy. It's like we get Dan Bailey and Brett Maher. It's you get the best of both worlds. I just think that he's done a fantastic job. You know, Lori's right. He needs to be mentioned and it's disrespectful not to, not to include him. So he's got to be on the list. Sean, um, do you feel silly for having Parsons all the way down at number five, especially considering, you know, the other players that were ranked in that spot? Well, first, let me say my logic for not including Parsons, not including Aubrey, is that I want the Cowboys to score touchdowns um, instead of field okay, goals. Okay, so you want to render his, his strength insignificant, is, is your goal? Yes. Okay. Except on extra points, which has been an adventure in the playoffs for the Cowboys just the last year, and not expecting that to be the case this time around. Parsons is hard to pick a spot for on this list. I mean, I almost wanted to not include him at all just because it's like an obvious answer, and let's find five other things to talk about, or do you put him up there at one? So he ended up at five for me just because, you know, he still is a young player kind of getting that playoff experience. We don't necessarily know, you know, if he has to have kind of that breakout huge game for this team to win. I know you said leading up to the Lions game, RJ, that you're worried about Jared Goff and the offense, and let's see if Parsons can kind of be, you know, that takeover the game type of player in that one. He had a lot of help in that game. He kind of, the rest of the defensive line really stepped up. Orange was fantastic. Doing Armstrong, Dante Fowler. They all had to say in the past rest of that game, we hope for more of the same in the playoffs. But if that's not happening and it does have to be Parsons, that's why he reserves a spot in this list and he ends up in my final spot uh, here at number five. Um, okay, so that was number five on all of y'all's list. We're going in ascending order, if that is not obvious. Danny Phantom, you had Micah number four on your list. So that's a bit of a spoiler here in terms of these answers, but we obviously just talked about him. Two people had Dan Quinn um, as number four on their list. And I'll go ahead and say this now. Dan Quinn was the only person to appear on everybody's list. Um, so of all the other names you can think of, there's somebody who did not have them on their list at all. Dan Quinn, once again, uh, the only person 100% represented. Uh, but so that being said, Danny, who do you think has Dan Quinn at number four? Um, there are two people. You have three options. So that's kind of in your favor. Uh, well, actually, it's pretty easy because, uh, I mean, let's I see. Uh, I know it's not me. Um, so right. those, are the, those are words that I said. So, I mean, you're just repeating things right now. <laughs> yeah. So, oh my gosh, actually. It's not easy. I don't, these guys are just all over the place with, uh, oh man. Um, who would have not picked him? Who would pick him higher is what I'm trying to figure out. I'm going to go because of the, the disrespect and the, the weird stuff's been said in past shows, um, but by the guys upstairs, I'm going to play. So I'm going to say that Sean has, has coin here. Sean is the only person who does not have uh, Dan Quinn at number four on this, this list. Outside of you, uh, Danny Phantom, Tony and, and Halman both had him at number four on their list. Halman, I start with you because you're a Mike McCarthy truther. Team Mike McCarthy did nothing wrong. Aaron Rodgers continues to prove us right in that capacity almost on a daily basis. Uh, but David Smith said, I'm not sure I trust Dan Quinn over Mike McCarthy. Nicholas Frank says minus five everybody because Dan Quinn low-key took a step back. Uh, Watsamata, Hellman says, I love DQ, but not on my top five list. Too many games he has failed to adjust to some offenses that I thought could be stopped. Your thoughts, David? Well, uh, to be honest, I kind of was debating back and forth about like, you know, does Dan Quinn really belong on this list? He's on your list. Stand up for it. Come on. He is on the list. He is on the list. (laughs) I'm I'm telling you, he, he made it for a reason. And because I, I, I refuse to let recency bias color my judgment on this. The defense has not been as great as it has been the last few weeks. 
Granted, you know, there, there's been a lot of injuries for the most part all season long. Dan Quinn has done a good job, and this defense has done a good job of adjusting to those things. Some of this is just, uh, you know, that the, the personnel, the offenses they face have been a, a good match to exploit some of those weaknesses where they have some injuries. But also, I, I just I thought about Dan Quinn and his career in context, both you know, his defensive coordinator days in Seattle, what he's done in Dallas the last couple of years as defensive coordinator. And then when he was in Atlanta, too, as the head coach, like those were all marked by pretty solid performances in the playoffs, you know, defensively from his team as a whole. Like this man, he may not have actually won that Super Bowl, but he got to the Super Bowl. He also did that as a coordinator. Like he has a history of delivering in the playoffs. And so, I mean, and the, and the man, I mean, he deserves all the, all the praise out there for what he's done for this defense and the way he turned turned it around in such a short time. So I was like, I'm not crazy thrilled with how things have been the last few weeks. And I've definitely, you know, given my fair share of criticism to Dan Quinn for some of his adjustments or lack thereof in the games. But when it comes to the playoffs, like I, I really can't think of another defensive coordinator out there I'd rather have on this team right now than Dan Quinn, just because of his experience, you know, what he does for this defense and his experience throughout his career. Uh, so first of all, this is embarrassing. Um, I can't read my own notes. Um, in a rare RJ Ochoa mistake, Dak Prescott is also represented on each of your lists. So, you know, that's the only mistake I'll make all year. Promise you that. Uh, Tony Catalina, um, you know, Hellman made a, a legitimate case and, and the crowd kind of echoed that in a lot of the, the comments. But I mean, Brandon Laurie mentioned the Seattle game. Dan Quinn didn't force a single punt in that game. Dan Quinn got worked in Buffalo. You know, wasn't quite a working against Miami, but I mean, to have him over some other people is a is a is kind of a slight. I mean, it's it's more hope based. It's more trust based, long term trust based than than it is in terms of how he's playing right now, which is a benefit that not everybody is afforded. Yeah, I may have a a unique a unique take on this, but my my feeling is I think Dan Quinn's going to have these guys prepared. I think he is a really you know elite level preparer of his of his team. He does different things like the Izzy Mukwamu playing cornerback last year in the playoffs is something that comes to mind where he's not holding things back, but he has different wrinkles he can use. What I worry about or not worry about is the reason why I didn't put him in my top three most important is because I believe in the players, not the plays. And ultimately, it's going to be the guys on the field that get the job done here. I think Dan Quinn can, you know, set the recipe up and, and make sure that they're in good positions. But ultimately, it's going to be Micah. It's going to be the team that gets it done. But I have faith in Dan Quinn. I believe that he can, um, you know, put the right pieces together here. Um yeah, I think you could, I think honorable mention, I could mention Mike McCarthy because what he has done for this team and, um, you know, what he's done for Dak Prescott has really, you know, been an elevated level this year. But um, I, I believe Dan Quinn has been somebody who, you know, we've been on the show and we've tried to bring him down to earth sometimes because of the crazy, you know, the crazy credit and maybe the crazy, you know, shade he doesn't get sometimes but i think he is somebody that when when it comes to these wild card playoff type situations he's going to give you your best um way to spoil your own list tony does not have mike mccarthy on it so you know um we'll see how the rest of this goes johnny boy says hellman is speaking to dan quinn's effectiveness but it fails to deliver all the time therefore not the most dependable to be fair to the prompt the prompt was trust not not you know, dependability depends how you define those two different things. Like, I understand they're synonymous to a lot of people. Um, but Omar, by the way, says plus 10, Tony, that the players are the ones getting things done. Interesting, Tony, that you had Dan Quinn ranked above CD Lamb, a player. So, you know. yeah, I mean, wide receivers, it's finicky sometimes, right? Like we've seen him against the 49ers and it changed everything. 
right? The CD Lamb 49ers game, China kind of changed everything for him. Is honestly his legacy, and even this year, just in specific terms. But uh, wide receivers are tough. You know, they can bracket coverage. They can sometimes. There may be a point in this playoffs where it's going to be everybody but CD Lamb that has to do the thing, including Jake Ferguson. So it's just tough to say, hey, this one guy is going to absolutely go nuts every game. Number three, uh, we've got the first Demarcus Lawrence mentioned. We got another Dan Quinn. First Micah Parsons mentioned. I'm sorry, not the first, um, but the first Dak Prescott mentioned. It was not you, Sean, who said Dak Prescott. Who do you think has two players above Dak Prescott on their list? I'm going to go with Danny on that one. Yeah, I think uh, he's got some other players besides Dak here. It is Danny Phantom who has Dak Prescott at number three on his list. Danny Phantom, why do you trust two other people more than Dak Prescott? Uh, well, are we getting into that? You want me to talk about my one and two? Um, um or let me rephrase the question. Um, is Dak not the person who you trust the most on this team? Obviously, given the way he's playing, because I think if if we ask like every Cowboys fan in the world outside of the ones that have just made it like their life's mission to not enjoy Dak Prescott because reasons, um, I think most like if you asked a random bar full of people, I think they'd be like, yeah, Dak's number one on my list, but he's not number one on your list. That's my question. Yeah, no, I, I get. So the thing is, and I, I actually struggled. He, I went back and forth with my two and three, um, and for me, I think. I think Prescott has a lot to prove. And I think the way he's been playing has earned a lot of trust. I certainly feel better about Dak going into this postseason. Um, I do still think, you know, you can have the plays out there, but the quarterback still got to make the reads and still got to do the do the work. And I feel like, you know, he's he's gonna be comfortable enough. He's playing better than he's played in a long time. And I, I think he's making great decisions. He's, you know, he's calling out the right protections. All the, everything's coming together. And I, I feel like it's because of the past failures, there's, I think he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because I think this guy, he gets it every year. It's like, you know, he, what does he do? He doesn't, you know, win the the big games. I mean, he's an MVP conversation this year, but you know, people weren't even putting him in their top five of quarterbacks or top 10. Sometimes he, there's so much disrespect with Dak, but I think it comes down to what he needs to do right now and and so far he hasn't and I, i'm not saying Dak's cost us games but has Dak been there and won us games i mean you, it's hard to count those you know in the postseason so i feel like this is a real prove it game for prescott that's why to me i'm putting him there because i, I want him to prove i want to, t- him to prove that he belongs uh, higher on my list casey kind of echoed your point danny said we've rolled into the playoffs with the number one scoring offense before but i feel like our offense has sputtered routinely in the playoffs recently aside from tampa bay which i think everybody would agree was one of the finest offensive outings you know throughout the dak prescott era sean you had dan quinn as number three on your list um somebody had demarcus lawrence so you got a 50 50 shot here if you get this right because you got danny right i'll give you 15 points so who had demarcus lawrence at number three on their list between Hellman and tony uh, let's go tony on that one Ooh, so close. Uh, Tony <laughs> did not have uh, Demarcus Lawrence. He had Micah Parsons. Uh, David Hellman, uh, who had Tank? Uh, Sean had Tank number four. We need to give Demarcus Lawrence some love. Uh, Johnny Boy RN says Tank equals Mr. Dependable equals I trust the law. I didn't put together a list, Hellman, but I think there's an argument, if you're not going Dak Prescott at number one, to go Demarcus Lawrence. He's been on fire as of late. Yeah, he's, he's having arguably the best year of his career just in terms of being an all-around defensive playmaker like he's he's been incredible against the run he's had 
countless times where he's just blown up a run play in the back backfield. A few of them coming on like either third down in a big stop where you know they're going to punt it or coming on fourth down where you absolutely need that play. He's also been reliable in the pass rush. Granted, he's not putting up Micah Parsons numbers, but very few people are putting up Micah Parsons numbers. But Demarcus Lawrence, just all around player, like there are a few out there that are better than him, than him at this position all the way around. Obviously, there's some who are better at rushing the passer, some of who are better at just run defense. He does everything. Not only that, but similar to what I was talking about with Jake Ferguson and the kind of the demeanor he brings, Demarcus Lawrence is, you know, one of the more vocal leaders on this defense. It seems like every time you're watching that Sounds of the Sideline video, uh, which is appointment television every time it comes out, like you're always getting a clip at least one time of Demarcus Lawrence, like pumping up his teammates, giving a speech. Like I, if, if things are going bad, he's telling them like, we're going to get right back in it. If things are going good, he's like, let's keep up, let's keep the pressure on. Don't let up, keep going at it. And, you know, it's kind of the same logic I had with Jake Ferguson of like, I, I trust Demarcus Lawrence. He's not only going to show up ready to play, but he's going to make sure his teammates show up ready to play. So I, I just have all the confidence in him, uh, all the trust in him to be able to, to do what needs to be done on Sunday. Sean, you were the first person to have Demarcus on your list. You had him at number four. Um, the chat really agrees with you by you know nature and how and what he said. Steve says Tank doesn't get his due just based solely on sack numbers. Nicholas says Dela blows up a lot of cute plays, and in today's league, that's crazy valuable. He came so close to getting to Tyreek Hill in the backfield in Miami. Like that is kind of his specialty in some ways. Sean Demarcus Lawrence is kind of emblematic of the Cowboys, overrated or underrated rather for this particular reason—a silly goalpost moving sort of thing. Um, the fact that he is here over Deron Bland over. Um, Jaron Kirst, I don't think anybody would have predicted, at least at the beginning of the season. I mean, the fact that he is kind of shot for shot with Micah Parsons on a trust basis is a really, really important thing. Yeah, momentum is a real thing in the playoffs, you know, which is why nobody's picking the Eagles to, you know, do anything this postseason, for example, because the way they're, they're going in. And Demarcus Lawrence couldn't be playing better football, even at any point in his career, than he is right now going into this playoff run. And there's not that long of a list of players in this Cowboys roster where, you, you know, you truly feel like they're playoff opportunities are that limited. You know, we know the consistency McCarthy has established to make the playoffs year in and year out. This core of guys going to be here. But if you did have to put that list together, and I almost included the other one that you would immediately think of on my top five for tonight, that would be Zach Martin. But Demarcus Lawrence certainly goes on that list as far as, you know, guys who should be ready to take full advantage of knowing the playoff opportunities aren't going to always come around and seize the moment of getting this defense ready, which certainly they seem like that they are based on their performances against the Lions or Tank was outstanding on Monday on Saturday night, a distant Monday night football, and then his performance against the commanders as well. So Tank has done it all. He's the leader of his defense. When he's going well, everything else falls into place of other guys we could put on this list, but it really all starts with Tank and the way he's playing right now. It's why he's uh, number four on my list. Um, nobody had Zach Martin on their list. I think that's a little bit of an upset. By the way, um, just so everybody knows, Sean owns a Zach Martin jersey. I do. Um, specifically because of his last name. I don't know if that was obvious, but um, a little bit of narcissism behind Sean's reasoning there. But, you know, we're all like I'm, that. I almost wore it tonight, but I decided not to. <laughs> yeah, <that was> good. <laughs> um, lots of love for Demarcus Lawrence, which takes us to um, our number two. So we have a lot to get to on this front. Um, Tony, I will spoil yours because you have Demarcus Lawrence at number two. You had Micah Parsons at number three. So you actually, and not a disrespect thing, kind of like your CD at number five thing. This is just simply a testament, I believe, as to how much, how well Demarcus Lawrence is playing right now. Yeah, I think 
whether it's his play, whether it's leadership, whether it's his demeanor, the attitude in the locker room, the the way he rallies the troops, there was only one person on this team I thought had a bigger impact on this team that I could trust more than Demarcus Lawrence. Like beyond the tape, a lot of the same things I'll, I'll echo the sentiments that Hellman said. Like he does so many gritty things well, so many things right. He just makes a play when you need it. It almost seems unfair when there's like a a third and short or a fourth and short short to be like. Demarcus Lawrence is about to make a play here. It's like, you know what I mean? Like he's sometimes he's just not going to, that's just not the reality of the situation, but you almost expect it every time you get in those tight spots. Like he's a leader of men. He's somebody that, you know, you can set your watch to. Uh, he, he's a guy. I mean, he's a Walter Payton man of the year nominee. He's somebody that like is the epitome of consistency. So for me, if I didn't put him at one because of one pick that we'll get to, I had to put him at two and give him the respect he deserves. That's well said. Um, I feel like Demarcus Lawrence, speaking of jerseys, like kind of a rare jersey. Like you don't see a lot of people walking around with a Lawrence 90 jersey. You know, kind of a let's let's yeah. change that. You know, all four of you go ahead and order one. Yeah, yeah, my blessing. Uh, there was anyway. a moment in time where you could like define a Cowboys fan by if he had a Byron Jones jersey or not. It was like the defining like they know their stuff type of thing. If they had a 31 Byron jersey, and I think you were one of the leaders of like pushing people to get that one, OJ. Yeah, um, he was never a great 31, if I'm being honest, um, like looking back at, with the benefit of hindsight. But he was a great player. Um, and he, But like Demarcus Lawrence, he didn't have interceptions. And so everybody was like, he sucks. He stinks. You know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but he did have a uh, pick. You like blasted him for running it into the end zone against the commanders, or whatever they were called at that point. Because it I think I think Danny might be the only one who was at Blog on the Boys at the time. Um, I believe in 2017, um, Byron Jones caught a tip ball. You know, there was an interception in Washington. <laughs> And ran it back, and I wrote an article saying how that so was like stupid. twenty yards, like yeah, yeah. But it was stupid, and it was the incorrect decision. I mean, he could have gone down, and the Cowboys could have taken a knee. And my point was correct. Like everybody, like was like, oh, quipping a square and blah blah blah. <laughs> and in the video or in the like play, you can see Sean Lee telling him to go down. Um, so I think we've all had a moment where we've responded to every comment in an article on the site. That was one of those for me, where I was just arguing with people constantly. Tony, well, I've never had that moment, but go ahead, Tony. <laughs> I was just saying he should have got down because my brother was coming for him. You know, my brother was going <laughs> to tackle him, cause a strip sack, you know, change the whole complexion of the game. But no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I mean, imagine if like they'd lost, you know what I mean? Because he, he gave, you know, kept things alive. Like it was so frustrating to me that nobody wanted to admit that just in the name of something being cool. I mean, you know, we can all be logical about things. That's, you know, that's how I like to live my life. Uh, Tony, you had uh, Demarcus Lawrence at number two, as mentioned. There is a Mike McCarthy mentioned here. This is not only the first Mike McCarthy mentioned, this is the only Mike McCarthy mentioned. Uh, in fact, we just had a comment right now from Brandon says, Mike McCarthy should get more credit. Too often last year, Dak and the receivers weren't on the same page. Mike McCarthy took over play calling duties and cleaned up the verbiage for the offense to settle in. So, Tony, even though each of you had the opportunity to put Mike McCarthy in your top five of most trusted players, people on the Cowboys at this moment in time, one of the high-flying offenses in the NFL has gotten the best Dak Prescott we've ever seen. What a shock. Dak's going to be number one on some of these lists. The best C.D. Lamb we've ever seen. I mean, he's only represented one time here. Tony Catalina, who was it that had Mike McCarthy on their list and obviously at number two? It's got to be Hellman. Yeah, you're getting no points for that because that was really predictable. <laughs> uh, David Hellman, what the hell is up with the disrespect here? I mean, like, why is Mike McCarthy? What can he? What what would have to happen for Mike McCarthy to get a shred, a crumb of credit? I uh, 
I I wish I knew because it would be nice just to like have something that would tell us that he's going to get any credit. And to and, your credit, to your credit, Hamlin, you have him number two. Like you're not just like you know getting him in like at number five. You have him at number two. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, everyone knows that I've been a McCarthy defender. Yeah. Although ironically, yeah. he wasn't my choice for the head coach opening when the Cowboys were hiring. Like he, when they hired him, I was kind of like, yeah, you know, I, I don't hate it. Like I, I like it. Like if he follows through on some of the things he says he's going to, you know, I'll, I'll get really on board. And then he he did. Um, so, but, but everything that he has done this year, obviously with the big difference being him taking over offensive play calling, like just, just the difference that it's made, everything has been so much better. And granted, it was not completely perfect from the very start. There were some growing pains. There were some adjustments that had to be made, but guess what? He made those adjustments. He went into that bye week and he said, Hey, things are kind of going okay, but they're not great. Like we can be doing better. Like we're not, we're not featuring CD lamb enough. We're not getting Brandon cooks the ball enough. Like we're, you know, there's things that we can be doing better. And then they came out and they started feeding CD. They got Brandon cooks, Jake Ferguson ascended to be one of the, you know, top young tight ends in the NFL. And I mean, they, they started using more motion. They started, you know, just doing a whole bunch of different things that we've been begging this team to do. They got more pass happy. They, they put the ball on Dak's hand and said, Hey, Dak Prescott, we think you're a great quarterback. We think you're the leader of this team. Like, we're going to trust you to go out there and, and lead this offense. And then guess what happened? As they started dominating through the air, the things started opening up for the run game. Tony Pollard starts looking like Tony Pollard again. Like, everything was just clicking into place. And, like, am I saying that there hasn't been any moment where, like, maybe you don't like the play call or, like, he has a bad series where things don't work out? No, of course not. He's he's human. But, but like, you can, you can turn on – the Chiefs and Andy Reid, and you can see like play calls where you're like, Andy Reid shouldn't have called that. And of course, you know, Chiefs fans will then say, well, that was Matt Nagy. That wasn't actually Andy Reid. We'll make excuses for him. Um, but really, I think like Mike McCarthy is really the perfect fit for Dak Prescott because these are two guys where all they've done through their career is produce. They win. They do what they're supposed to do. And for whatever reason, like you look around the NFL, nobody gives them credit. Like there, there's always a reason why Dak, you know, doesn't deserve the MVP. He doesn't deserve consideration for these awards. Like he's not actually that good. And there's a reason why Mike McCarthy is just like not a good coach. He has no idea what he's doing, which really we should, if that's the case, we should be talking about Steven Jones for executive of the year. If he's good enough to field a team that's so good, they win 12 wins three straight years with just, just this guy who can't coach his way out of a paper bag. Like he must be the greatest GM of all time if, if we're gonna go that route, right? That's always my argument too, Hamman. Like if you if if Dak sucks, if he's a middling quarterback and if McCarthy sucks, then like what is the thing that has them like constantly having all these like high levels of success? That's a great point. Um, and nobody's gonna agree that it's Stephen Jones, obviously. Um, to your point. Um, and this was what Casey said in the chat. This has absolutely been the best year for McCarthy. However, I've seen his poor clock management. And the point you brought up, Hellman, people forget because it feels like forever ago now. Once upon a time, that was Andy Reid's thing. Everybody used to kill Andy Reid for how he, he – oh, Andy Reid, he's going to find a way to bungle the clock. Andy Reid's not going to give the ball to Jamar Charles or LaShawn McCoy when, when he absolutely has to. Like Andy Reid had those like obvious whoops-a-daisy mistakes that everybody would kill him for, wins a couple Super Bowls, and nobody wants to talk about those things anymore. Uh uh, Tony guessed you right, Hellman, obviously, for having Mike McCarthy here. We know that Tony had Tank Lawrence at number two, so that leaves one person who had Dan Quinn at number two, uh, not Mike McCarthy. Your choices are Danny and Sean. Who do you think it was? Well, didn't didn't Danny already have Dak at three? This is this is your question to answer, Hellman, not mine. I mean, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not I, I mean, 
I'm not good at math, but I'm pretty sure we already figured that one out. I'll go Sean. Uh, you think Sean had Dan Quinn at number two. You're wrong. Sean has Dak Prescott at number two. Danny Phantom, you went with another Dan uh, and Dan Quinn. So Mike McCarthy, not on your list. Dan Quinn, who went ultra soft against the Dolphins and let them kind of, you know, kick that game-winning field goal, makes the list. But Mike McCarthy doesn't. Oh, yeah. Easy, without question. I mean, <laughs> if, we, if we had 10, McCarthy wouldn't be on my list for, for sure. I mean, I uh, – but, you know, one thing we've been talking about, Quinn, too, everybody's, like, talking about where he should be. I'm glad everybody had I'm surprised that everybody had him. I'm glad that he's – people um, value what he brings to Dallas. But here's the thing. I think when you, if we were to rank how we feel about the defense, I think that's probably where people are sticking Quinn. Like, because they're absolutely right about – there's there's parts about this defense that give us concern. And that's why I'm such a big Dan Quinn fan because – I've said before, this isn't a great defense. The Cowboys don't have a great defense. They have some great players and they have some good players, but but Quinn makes them great. I mean, look at if you just go down the list of all these players like are that are just having career seasons under look what we're getting from Jordan Lewis. So this Jordan Lewis is playing better than I've ever seen him play before. And you, you just go down the list and Duran Bland, I don't think Duran Bland's a uh, all pro player by by any stretch of the imagination, but look what he's doing. He's he, he has people thinking that he's just this great player. Anyway, so you talk about the Dolphins and the Lions and stuff. I think that that Quinn responded really well against. They got smacked in the face against Buffalo. That was offense was trash, defense was trash, everybody was trash, but he responded. And I'll tell you why. You can say what you want about those games. He gave his offense a chance. You know, they, they should have beat the Dolphins and they should have beat the Lions by more. And he's responded. Look how well the team has played better since. I mean, teams can are struggling to run the ball against the Cowboys now. And you're talking about some really good, you know, Dolphins have a great tandem of running runners. So does the Lions. I feel like if you really lay things on the table, you would just see a great, a well-coached defense that really is playing uh, higher than, the, than their – ability and that's what we want in the playoffs we we want the cowboys to deliver we want them to be who they are we want we don't want them to underperform the defense is not going to do that because dan quinn is going to see to it because these guys they're only so good but he makes them better common you had a point i well we i mean we already know i i had him at four so i i respect dan quinn but you know i i have trouble like giving all the accolades of like it's a well-coached defense like they're the most penalized defense in the NFL. Like majority of the penalties, you know, we talked about the Cowboys being so heavily penalized. Majority of that's coming from the defense. And it hasn't really, I mean, they've cut down on the penalties in the last couple of weeks, but that's been a consistent thing with the offsides, with the pass interference, you know, with, with just untimely penalties. So like, again, I, I like Dan Quinn, but he hasn't fixed the penalty issues. They, they gave up the, the go-ahead drive both times against the Dolphins and the Lions, and they got lucky against the Lions. They couldn't, they couldn't convert on their like 15th two point conversion. So like, I, again, I like Dan Quinn, like, but if we have to pick nits here, you know, there, there, there's some inconsistencies there that haven't been addressed yet. No, they, a- did, they didn't give up the go ahead drive. They stopped him once they stopped him again. And when the offense couldn't do anything, they couldn't do it a third time. I mean, at some point are you really, you got to start ask yourself what's really the problem. So, I mean, 
And I know that I've, I've seen Hel Hellman's tweets and the criticism of Twin during while that was happening, which to me is laughable. I just think that you have to really look at everything and to make your decision. And and, and I think when people over defend McCarthy, that they, they they try to draw it back and say, hey, look, you know, I know that we're, as a team we're we're terrible at penalties, but look at Dan's doing these things too, and and that there may be some truth to that. But you got to look at everything to to make your decision. Um, this is supposed to be a positive you know, show and we'll kind of close things on a positive note, but for the sake of, you know, argument, cause this is a question, Brandon asks, Tony, we'll start with you. Who gives us the better future? If one has to go, I'm going to change the question. You can only keep one. This is survivor. You got to vote one off the island. You get to keep Mike McCarthy, Dan Quinn. Who is it and why? Honestly, man, like it's, it's, it's not an easy question in my mind. I know. It's I know easy, I asked it cause I'm yeah. here to, I'm here with the smoke, Tony. Welcome it's, to the round table. It's easy for Danny, but for me, like I understand what Dan Quinn's done for this defense with the Mike Nolan and how he came in and changed everything. I completely understand that. But like Mike McCarthy taking over has proved Dak Prescott to play the best football of his life. So, uh, I mean, I would begrudgingly say I'd rather keep Dan Quinn than Mike McCarthy. But if we lose Mike McCarthy, I'm a, I'm afraid to see. Not not that I doubt like Dak Prescott's ability, but like why get the best of your quarterback? And then what is it going to look like if he doesn't have him is a little different. So, I mean, I guess Dan Quinn, but I'm not, I'm not confident in saying that. I think Hellman, you're McCarthy here, Danny, you're Quinn, right? Like we, we don't have to like rehash that out. Is that obvious? Could I get some head nods if those are the ones you're getting? Yeah, I, I'm okay. picking the guy that's actually one. Do you goal. need head nods? Um, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's true. Let me, um, let me think. Uh, Sean, um, you can't break a tie because technically Dan Quinn is leading. Uh, but if you can only keep one, and right now this is the point of survival where like the whole tribe has been arguing and everyone's looking to you because you're kind of casting the like deciding vote. Um, so who are you sending home and why? It's keeping McCarthy for me, you know, an offensive play caller. There's NFL franchises that set their team back, you know, years by trying to be aggressive and get the right offensive play caller and promoting from within or going with the trends after, you know, only a year or less of data. McCarthy's established. He works closely with your all-pro MVP quarterback, you know, certainly a lot closer than Quinn does. So that's the, you know, the key to having sustained success with the Cowboys have. It's a head coach and the quarterback, and you can't break that up right now when it comes to how well Dak Prescott putting up the career numbers with Mike McCarthy calling the plays for him. You can't do anything to change that if you want this team to continue to win games. Uh, Forever DC says, so sick of hearing the is Mike McCarthy safe crap every year. He's staying, and I think unless the Seattle job comes up, Dan Quinn stays until we win a Super Bowl. Actually, um, I think this is not related to um, the trust thing. I feel more confident than ever that Dan Quinn isn't going anywhere. You look at all the like requests for you know head coaching positions. Like Dan Quinn has been requested by three teams, and that is significant. But he's nowhere near the like like if you rank the top five like hottest candidates like. I mean, look, we all think very highly of Dan Quinn, but I don't think he's there, right? Like Bill Belichick is definitely ahead of him, like for obvious reasons. Mike Vrabel's probably ahead of him. Again, he's had recent success as a head coach. You could make that argument, I suppose. People are all obviously going to be in on Ben Johnson. People are going to be in on Bobby Slowick, and depending how these playoffs unfold, you know, th there are a lot of names that I think are going to garner more interest this cycle than Dan Quinn, which works out in our favor because I don't think we have to have this conversation. I, I think that it's just not Dan Quinn's time. Maybe the Seattle job is a year away from him. Does anybody disagree? I don't think it will be because he's not wanted. I think it will be because he, if honestly, people, I've been talking all this talk about McClay and Quinn. If they're even taking interviews, I, I'm alarmed because I, I feel like that the best part of this team is seeing something that they don't. 
they don't like as much as what they once did. So that, that part concerns me. Um, I mean, uh, Quinn's more than qualified to be a head coach. I just think it needs to be the, the right spot for him because, you know, if you, if you go to a spot like that, that's, that struggles like Atlanta, then then you're, it's tough. You know, I think he's got a great opportunity, and I, I hope he just stays put personally. Um, and I don't, and I will say this too: I don't want Mike McCarthy fired. Um, but if I had to choose between the two, it, it, it's easy for me to make that decision. But I, I mean, I think Mike McCarthy works with Jerry Jones very well, and there's a lot of things that he does bring to this team that's that's helpful. So I, I want to make that clear. But I mean, I do have a greater appreciation for Dan Quinn. Um, okay, let's end things positively. This is the person, the player you trust the most on the Dallas Cowboys. Trust fall. You got to put your life in their hands. Two of you went Dak Prescott. The other two of you went CeeDee Lamb. Um, let's go, Tony. Who do you think were the CD people? Mm, I'd say Sean and Danny. You know what, Tony? I'm going to give you eight points because you were absolutely and completely correct. Tony, do you know something interesting about C.D. Lame and this whole exercise? Uh, no. He was not on David Hellman's list at all. No. <laughs> so we gave you some grief for having C.D. number well, five. He, he's but... no Jake Berger. <laughs> so That's Hellman, coming you... up next podcast. <laughs> yeah, Hellman, um, these were your five in order. Obviously, Dak Prescott, number one. Mike McCarthy, good for you, number two. DeMarcus Lawrence, number three. Dan Quinn, who you just hated all over, number four. And Jake Ferguson, number five. C.D. Lamb's not on your list, but he's number one for Sean and for Danny Phantom. Yeah, and I mean, he's, he's number six on my list, and I was going back, and I had like those three. That, if he's number six, also something about how says he doesn't have Micah Parsons on it. <laughs> so <laughs> Micah's not even in your top six. Yeah, and, and Micah's number seven, so. <laughs> it's not a top ten, damn it. <laughs> there you go. No, like my thought process was with, with Micah, like the last few weeks, he ha- he either hasn't been getting sacks or he hasn't been getting a lot of pressures. This last week, he only had one pressure and it turned into a sack. That doesn't mean that he's not producing. Like his role at this point pretty much is he he's like a black hole. He takes all the attention from the offensive line and he frees up all these other pass rushers to, to go ahead and feast. Like I'm not really worried about like being able to trust that he's going to do the thing that he does. Like at this point, he has that respect. Every offensive line is going to gravitate towards him and they're going to hold because they know they can get away with it. Kind of similar with CD, like – you know, I'm, I'm not really too worried. Like, I, I, it's not even a question of trust for me with C.D. Lamb. Like, I know what he is, even when he's not having, you know, getting, you know, 12 catches a game. Like, that's opening things up for everybody else. So, you know, th- this is this is this would have been a lot easier if it was just players, but because we put in coaches, I was like, I got to get Mike McCarthy in there. I, you know, like I said, I debated about Dan Quinn, but I was like, he deserves a spot for for what he's done and what he can contribute in the playoffs, but. If it was just players, those two easily making the top five. Uh, Tony, you had Dak Prescott on this list. Watsamata got really upset with everyone. Says, you got to be kidding me, the most trustless, and nobody had Micah first. Unbelievable. This is dark. Um, you and Hellman were the two people who had Dak first, but Hellman's taking a little bit of a beating in the comment section right now uh, <laughs> for, for not having CD or Micah represented. Why, uh, beyond the obvious, is Dak Prescott the person who you trust the most with the Cowboys right now? I mean, he's having the best year of his career. Um, he's in an offense that works perfectly to him. They said it from the beginning. He's playing with an edge. He's playing with a confidence, um, playing with a swagger that like makes me a, a, an absolute believer. And I know that 
um, all this time that I've, you know, stand 10 toes down, defending Dak Prescott, even, you know, through the 15 pick year and other people kind of discrediting his body of work, which I thought was nonsensical. Um, there's really not many quarterbacks in the NFL. You would take over him right now. Um, bonafide MVP candidate, even if he doesn't win it, uh, the Cowboys are in probably the best, one of the best hands going into the NFL when it comes to the quarterback position heading into the playoffs. Um, everything he's done to this point, I think this is kind of going to be his moment, right? I, I, it's it's more of a feeling, but it's also based on a body of work and everything he's been able to put together this season. Uh, Dak Prescott, if it ain't now, then when, right? I mean, year eight, comfortable, 30 years old, CD Lamb force-feeding him at a time where we used to beg Dak to just feed it to your playmakers, right? Like, don't get cute. Give it to your playmakers. He's not afraid to do that. He's found a perfect role for Brandon Cooks. He's got Jake Ferguson clicking on all cylinders right now. Um, everything is kind of working out for them, and I have my full faith and trust in their quarterback right now. Sean, Brian uh, says CD would be number one on my list. Hank would be number two. Dak would be three and Micah four, maybe Ferguson five. You had CD Lamb over Dak Prescott, Sean. Um, so why is CD Lamb number one for you? It was somewhat interchangeable, but yeah, I think sticking to that theme of you know, momentum and what it means going into the playoffs, CD had a career high or season high 13 catches against the Lions, follows it up with 13 more against the Commanders. Prescott was perfect when targeting both CD Lamb and Jake Ferguson in that Commanders game, so you can see why you know, both of them ended up on at least one of ours list for this Cowboys offense to be good enough to make a deep run to the playoffs. But yeah, the way Lamb is playing, the way that Every aspect of the Cowboys offense is dialed in for him to have these big performances. I don't think we need to have the discussion anymore of, you know, Mike McCarthy forgetting he exists for long stretches of a game and letting the offense go quiet. This is playoff time. The sense of urgency is up. And I think I am is right, you know, right there, ready to step up with it and be the guy that Dak Prescott can look to in any situation. And this team is going to move on to tougher matchups than the Packers, like the 49ers or what have you. We're going to need to see I am continue to make those plays, you know, run after the catch, contested catches, red zone. He's got to take over all of those areas. And by putting him number one on my list, I've, you know, I'm trusting him to do so. And I think he's going to, uh, you know, continue to be a strong player, obviously, for this offense to make huge plays down the field. All right, this was a fun exercise. I enjoyed it, especially making you all feel uncomfortable about why you had certain players and people where you did and instigating fights. Um, I know that's a rare quality of mind that I display here on the roundtable, but I felt like leaning into it tonight. Um, but it is time uh, to kind of finish positively. Uh, we are still five days away from one of the biggest moments in the 21st century of the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think that's an exaggeration at this point in time. Um, so it's closing statement time. This is the scoreboard at the moment. Tony in the lead by a hair, 79 points. Danny, Sean, right there, 77. Hellman, you're riding caboose. Again, the leaving Micah and CD thing off was a tough look for you for a lot of people. Uh, but still within striking distance. Uh, we're going to go in clockwise order here. Your closing statement can be whatever you want. It can be a prediction. It can be a passionate speech. It can be a declaration. It can be a battle cry. It can be pessimism. It can be whatever you want. But this is your chance, closing statement, um, ahead of the first playoff game of the season. Hopefully first of many for the Cowboys. Helmet, go. Well, I'll, I'll start off. I mean, I, I took it on the chin, and I'll wear that with a badge for for – not putting Micah and CD on my list. And honestly, I look at it as a good thing because if you're if you're having this much trouble, you know, putting guys in your top five of who you trust the most, and there's like legitimate debate of like, I can't believe you left this guy off, but you're in a good spot. This is a very talented Cowboys team. You know, what they've done this season, the way that they've won so many games to the point where people were like, 
complaining that we win too many blowout games. Like, like if, if that's a bad thing to beat your opponent and, you know, just beat them into the ground and, and the way that they do that and, and specifically do it consistently at home, having an undefeated season at home. And then the way that the kind of last two weeks fell into place for them to, to not only have a chance to get the division title, get the two seed guaranteed to playoff games at home. And then they went out and they like took care of business. They, they didn't play with their food. They just went out there, won that game, shut it down. Um, it, it just, it feels so much different this season. I think that's, that's really where a lot of this confidence comes from. There's a lot of guys on this team. Like we just went through that. You just, you, you can easily trust and, and you just have so much faith in them that they're going to show up. And, you know, and, and I, I spent so much time defending, you know, who I didn't put on my list. I didn't even get to talk about my number one guy, Dak Prescott, because that's really where it all starts and ends is like, we've seen this team and, and they go as Dak Prescott goes. And they've had a great season because Dak Prescott has had a great season because he's a great quarterback. And, you know, I don't know if he's going to actually win the MVP or not. He's the MVP in my mind. You know, I, I'm going to pull like a UCF when when they went undefeated and didn't get into the title game. I'm just going to claim this as, you know, Dak Prescott won the MVP. I don't care what the NFL says. He actually did win the MVP because the way that he played all throughout the season, the way that he just, you know, even through some of the bad moments, through some of the bad games, like he came out the next week and he just balled out. He answered the call. There were times where he had to go down and lead a game-winning drive, and he did it. And there were times where like a defender just has him in the grasp, multiple different times where a defender has him in the grasp. He shakes out of it. He keeps his eyes downfield. He hits a guy for a first down or you know against Detroit, 92-yard touchdown to CD Lamb. Incredible stuff. So, you know, having a guy like that as your leader, as the guy that makes the engine go how can you not feel confident? But then you look at everybody else on this team and it's like, yeah, I trust all of these guys. There's really not a whole lot of players on this team. I would struggle to come up with people I don't trust. So, you know, what, however your top five list shakes out, Cowboys are in good hands right now. Man, that's a tough scene for all y'all. Then <laughs> Alman went first. Uh, that was, uh, he picked up a lot of points in the chat uh, to, to say the least. Tony Catalina, it's, it's a, a big, ask right now here but you're you're made for this moment dude i mean you have pulled off roundtable wins after roundtable wins your resume speaks for itself live up to the the call tony catalina closing statement time let it rip yeah yeah for me i'm gonna go the passionate route and for me when i look at this cowboys team i think they're on a crash course where talent meets timing right i think a lot of it is um, it's their time. I think a lot of pieces had to fall in place for this team to become the number two seed, right? A lot of things had to fall in place for them to get to where they're at. We talk about how them being, you know, real comfortable at home. Okay, well, let's make sure that almost every playoff game is going to be at home, right? The, the Cowboys have found a way to take scars and take their beatings over the years, the 49ers, divisional round, wildcard round, the last couple of years. I think it's all led up to this moment, right, where we have – a nucleus of players that have are scarred, are scorned, are you know hungry. I think a lot of things have come to this point where we are seeing an MVP caliber season from a quarterback. We are seeing a head coach who said, "Give me the the play sheet. I'm making the calls with my own back up against the wall." We got a we got a coach in Dan Quinn who obviously has immense respect in this roundtable and across the Cowboys fan base. Uh, Michael Parsons, a guy who understands what's at stake here when it comes to not just season but legacy he knows that everything he does in the regular season really doesn't mean nearly as much as what it means to right now we've been in this situation like you said almost 52 weeks to the day where we had saw our season end and i remember and i can almost get emotional thinking about like 
I we sit here and I'm like, I don't care about the regular season. I'm going to enjoy the ride. But we have thankfully gotten to the point where now we can lock in and say, this is where it begins, right? This is where it starts. Like all that other stuff is fun. 18 weeks of up and down, ebbs and flows, Cowboys 12 and 5 for the third year in a row. This is what Cowboys football should feel like. This is where it comes to a point where you can go and exercise a demon against the Green Bay Packers. You can go and if Detroit wants it, they can get it again, right? We can beat Detroit and this time it can be a lot cleaner. And then if we got to go in and slay the dragon and the 49ers to go into the Super Bowl, let's do it, right? Lock in. Because ultimately, like there is no reason to not just empty it all right now. This is it. The Cowboys have everything going for them. There's absolutely no reason why anybody could sit on this panel or in any panel across any network, any station, anywhere, and tell you why the Cowboys can't win the Super Bowl. The Cowboys absolutely can. You got to do it one game at a time. Let's start one. You know, let's start here. It starts with four, and let's get four. Mm-hmm. This is this is shaping up to be pretty good. Um, man, uh, Sean, I I don't, I really am just kind of (laughs) sitting back, uh, closing statement. Let's go. Yeah, I have to go bold and certainly I'm not going to ever regret saying anything strong or bold about Dak Prescott on the internet, but I think this definitively is going to be the game where all, but you know, the small subsection of fans that will never be happy are going to finally admit that, you know, this is the quarterback that can get the Cowboys to the promise line. This is going to be the game because if you ask even the most casual NFL fan about what they would, how they feel about a Cowboys Packers playoff game, they're going to say, Oh, don't the Packers always beat the Cowboys and, you know, the Cowboys going to lose first round. They haven't been good all year, a bunch of nonsense. This is going to be the game where Dak Prescott silences all of that. The Cowboys offense is going to put up huge numbers. That's nothing new at home, but in the playoffs, it hasn't exactly happened. They haven't had the right pieces to, you know, play in a home playoff game like this, in a favorable matchup, Prescott's going to put up a 40-burger in this game, blow the Packers away, and start a playoff run where we can definitively talk about him as an MVP candidate for years to come. But it starts with what he's about to do to the Packers on Wildcard Weekend this Sunday. Okay. I agree with you, Sean. I do think we are we have a big Dak Prescott game kind of lurking around the corner. Um, and you're right that there is, you know, there are the the moles and the trolls that will scream what they want. They will, they will never, ever, ever be happy. Um, and I can't wait to see them squirm on Sunday afternoon. Danny Phantom, you've sat there. You've you've let it all marinate. You've heard everybody's, you know, kind of closing thoughts and arguments and discussions. What are yours? Yeah, I don't have a lot to say, to be honest, because I feel like talk is cheap at, at this point. You know, we come into this part of the season and we're all excited. And, uh, you know, I, I think that the – this is the year that the, just, the Cowboys have to deliver. They have, you know, this is, as mentioned before, the opportunity in front of them. I mean, it, it hasn't been, the table hasn't been set so well as it has for them this season. So, I mean, we're healthy tyrants, healthy decks, healthy players are healthy. You know, I, I really feel that, you know, you look at this Cowboys team, there's nothing really that's looming over their head. They just have to go out there and perform. And that's what, that's, that's what always gets us. You know, we get to the postseason, and the Cowboys are one of those teams that could do it, but but they don't. And I want to believe that this team is different. I know that there's talent on this team, but honestly, you know, the Cowboys need to come out there and and play well, play consistent, play, play prepared. You know, and and not make things easy for their opponent, not give things away, not have these bad things happen. You know, so we're sitting here at the end. You know talking about referees or, you know, some weird thing that the, didn't go right. I don't want it to be like that. I just I want the Cowboys to be who they are. Go out there and 
this long game that's been preached to us and everything that that's culminating to, to this postseason, I, I want to see it. And I believe that they have it in them. But like a lot of you know fans that have just been burned before, there's a lot of doubt, and I, I just want to see it. Starting off with a with a spanking, you know, the Packers would be great. Let M- M- McCarthy check that off. You know, that's got to feel good to be Green Bay. You know, and just keep you know barreling through. And uh, but I think a lot all a lot of us we just want to see the Cowboys be that real playoff team. You know, finally. I think you all had really. Um great and passionate pleas and points. Um, this is my favorite part of the episode. If I'm being honest, the other stuff was fun again, to kind of torment all of you, but this was really nice and sweet. Um, Hellman, I thought you came at this, you know, with the, you know, just the, the most like aggression in a really good way. Um, kind of, you know, getting the party started on the right foot, you know, kind of noting how this is a team full of people who we trust, which was obviously the theme of the entire show. Tony, I understand that you're coming from a point of like, look, I'm, I'm kind of done being afraid. Like I'm kind of done, you know, like not knowing how this is going to end. I, I waited exactly for this moment. I want this moment. I'm ready for this moment. And Sean, I love how you were just kind of like about the main thing. Like this is, this is about Dak. Like well, this, we've all fought the good fight. Howman, you mentioned you've, you've fought in the name of McCarthy. Like we all have scars from fighting on the internet and, and putting up with stupid people or stupid takes, whatever the case may be in the name of proving who Dak Prescott really is, which is what's been so satisfying about this, this season is that Dak has kind of done that uh, on a global scale. And Danny, a lot of the chat said that, you know, you were just about business. You weren't here for fluff for your closing statement. It was like, you know, just time to time to do it. And I loved your obviously kind of, you know, sentiment about being who you are. I feel like we have for so long, chased the ghosts of the past like you have to go to san francisco you have to go get that monkey off your back you have to do it because your your forefathers and cowboys lord did it you have to beat the packers you have to go through aaron Rodgers. you have to go to lambo who cares like we, you don't have to do anything you just have to win four games like that's that's who you are like be that team be the team that like doesn't care about legacies you're your own team you're not you're yes you are living in a shadow but you owe no responsibility or debt to anything that happened before you you owe everything to yourself and to yourself alone and so that's what's really exciting about this um Dak obviously had the like line of the century about how like the pen is in their hands and they have the opportunity to write this kind of chapter um look I mean I think we're all excited I think we're all nervous but it wouldn't be worth it if we weren't nervous like it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be beautiful if we didn't put something on the line and if we didn't put everything on the line. So um, well done, everybody. In fact, you all had at least 30 points in that final answer, which is what I think the Cowboys are going to do on Sunday afternoon at at and Stadium. And you all came to a point where you have 109 points on January the 9th. You all had one slash zero nine. That was not, you know, a, anything I did. It was purely, totally, absolutely coincidence on a Mount night table in, overtime. in a week uh, at a time where love, harmony, peace, joy needs to kind of be flowing all throughout the confines of Cowboys Nation. The roundtable winner is Dallas Cowboys fans everywhere. So good job, everybody, except for somebody who left uh, Dak, or C.D. Lamb and Micah Parsons outside of their top five. I don't know who that was, but, you know, whatever. So, uh, Tony, you get to speak on behalf of everybody, uh, all of you and the chat, and even people who weren't here. Uh, how would you like to um, say thank you? You know... I don't want to. I don't want to have to say thank you. I want the Cowboys to. Um, I want to thank the Cowboys for what they're going to do to Green Bay. That's really it. That's all I want to say. The, uh, we, this Howman, is like the wanna... end of the talk phase. So, the end of it. Howman, uh, do you want to once again defend the CD Micah thing, or do you feel like you've said everything that you have to on the on that front? You know, I'm I'm just glad that this is replacing the Leighton Vanderesh take. <laughs> yeah, um, we've come a long way from then. Um, Sean, I don't know. 
Yeah, Sean, I, I feel like we've given you a lot of material for the future episodes of Hidden Yardage. But, yeah, what um, in the world? Well, two, interesting. <laughs> two, two years ago, prior to the 2022 season, when we did our 53-man roster prediction episode, Hellman left Leighton off. Um, and we all thought that was a bit silly, uh, to, <laughs> to, to say the least. Uh, so, um, you know, didn't age well. We, we, we've all got one of those. You know what I mean? That's Hellman's. Well, I just want to comment on the commitment that both Hamlin and I made to watch the Commanders game so we could go record the podcast afterwards. I know he was watching at a sports bar, and I walked through some snow to get to, my, to the place I was watching. So mm. uh, walking in the snow in downtown Bozeman to go watch the Cowboys win the division is hopefully not just the the last memory that I have of this season in terms of good things to come. I want more playoff success starting with Sunday, of course. Danny, um, you picked up a lot of attention in the chat for um being a, a high note of positivity this episode so i think you should send us home um the last words can be anything you want they could be cowboys related they could be non-cowboys related but the final word is yours i can't wait to do it all again next week when we talk about how we're going to win the divisional round yes sir